Art is more than just a composition of beautiful colors and carefully placed brushstrokes. When we can think about it more expansively, that is. Welcome to the Art of Podcast, a show that unveils the masterpiece resulting from you taking your healing into your own hands. I'm your host, Leah Fisher, a trauma survivor turned multi-awarded reflectionist artist with a master's degree in counseling. My highest intention is to create a community for self-healers. Together, we'll unlock your own creative capacity to design a life of holistic wellness and embrace the healing journey, one step at a time. You are listening to the Art Art Podcast, and this is episode number 20. Well, hello, you guys. Welcome back to the Art of Podcast. I have a very special treat for you today. I have a friend and a mentor of mine that I, when I was in graduate school, she was my professor and my advisor when I was learning to be a therapist. And so I am so excited to welcome Dr. Tanisha Guy. Hi. Hi. How are you today? I am great. I'm just so excited because I haven't seen you in forever. So I mean, it's it's probably been probably 10 years, I think. Has it been that long? Yeah, I think it's been that Man. long. Yeah. And so I don't know. I mean, like we've definitely kept in touch over social media and I've been watching your evolution and you Ooh. just doing all your videos and all your work. It's been really interesting to watch. I am trying. You know, this is a new world that we live in. As clinicians, I have to be a part of it. The model that you and I was trained in, it's a bit different and it doesn't fit the new age. So I'm, I'm trying to stay relevant and, and trying to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, just to give some people some context. So you are a PhD, you were a professor at North Texas. And so when you first went into the helping profession to be a therapist, what were your thoughts going in about your training and, and what it looked like to be um, a therapist? That is a really good question. It's funny you say North Texas because I haven't thought about them in years. I know, <laughs> I know, right? Um, so when I started, um, because I went to undergrad and I did my master's in the 90s. So it was a while back. And um, did, you, I, did you get it in psychology or counseling? Or? I was just about to talk about that. Okay. So my undergrad degree was in psychology. All my professors were psychologists. And so in my head, I was going to become a psychologist. And um, I started applying for clinical psych programs. And um, I would make it through the interview process and then just wait for the acceptance letter. And it never came. It's so competitive. <laughs> it never came. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. I this isn't me. Like I don't fail. And so, um, a friend of mine who was in my uh, program at the time in undergrad said, I think you should apply for counseling programs. Cause you're a counselor, not a psychologist. I was like, girl, what are you talking about? Yeah. Cause I don't know anything but psychology. And so I looked into the program and, uh, it was a master's program in clinical mental health. And I applied, got in and the light bulb came on. And I was like, oh, my goodness, there's a whole nother world out here besides psychology. And um, it was a better fit for me. Mm -hmm. And I went back and I did another interview because I still wanted to get my Ph.D. At that time, I was in the master's program. And so I did an interview at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. I'll never forget. And at the end of the interview, one of the professors pulled me aside and she says, you don't want to be a psychologist, do you? Yeah. And I said, yes, I want to I want to get my Ph.D. She says, not in psychology. You're not a psychologist. 
And can, um, can you can you explain to people the people listening the difference between a counselor and a psychologist? Absolutely. So the difference between because I'm a counselor educator and a psychologist is our ideological beliefs about how we treat the individuals that we see. And so psychologists work from what we call the medical model, um, which is why they refer to the individuals they see as patients. But as professional counselors, we work from what call what we call the wellness model, which is why the individuals that we see are called clients. And so the huge difference is just in our ideal logical beliefs about how we approach the individuals that we are working with. And so in all of my interviews, I was speaking the language of the professional counselor, but didn't know that that world existed. So now I understand why I didn't get the acceptance letter from the clinical psychology programs, because I didn't speak the language of a psychologist. It's not what I wanted to be. And so when I started to speak the language of the counselor, it aligned with who I am professionally and personally. And that's where I've been for the last 22 years. Yeah, I mean, it makes so much sense knowing you because from what I observed, the the clinical psychologists are such, they're based so much in statistics and Mm -hmm. research and they're really trying to get some kind of statistical data to Mm -hmm. back up a theory with more like you and me, we're more into the feelings and Mm -hmm. like really experiencing people and going Mm -hmm. along with them on their journey. And we don't necessarily need like some kind of statistical precedence in order to or a diagnosis them. yeah or a diagnosis <laughs> right yeah. yeah yeah it seems a little antiquated these days uh, you know one of the things that I have definitely learned is that there is a lane for clinical diagnosing there is right I will never dismiss that sure. we have to be able to diagnose but every client that I see does not have a diagnosis and so I found that working as a professional counselor it allowed me to work better and more competently with a larger population of individuals who weren't just dealing with a mental illness, but who were just dealing with life. And so I didn't want to see a client and immediately have to give you a diagnosis. Now in the world of managed care, that's how it works, but I didn't want to have to do that. I wanted to be able to see you where you are, meet you where you are and help you reach whatever the goals that you had identified for yourself, not based on what a diagnosis is telling me that you should have or your symptoms that you're presenting are going off on a checklist to say, well, that matches up to this diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And again, nothing against it because we live in the world of managed care and we have to have it. But and, and when you say managed care, you mean insurance, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Insurance. In yeah. order to um, bill the insurance company, everyone has to have a diagnosis. Yeah. And so I make sure that when um, clients come in, I inform them of that, that if you're going to use your insurance, you're going to have to have a diagnosis. So based on the information that you're giving me, I'm going to look for the symptoms and what's best match up to that diagnosis. Which can be problematic because once you have a diagnosis and it's on record, it's kind of on your, out there in the ethos, on your record, yep. right? Like, okay, like it's permanent. she's having a <clears throat> depressive episode and now on your health insurance, you have depressive episode happening. Absolutely. Which is why certain individuals in their jobs have to be cautious about going to see a provider, which is why they are cautious about going to therapy because they don't want to have a permanent um, marker that says this person struggles with clinical depression or anxiety um, or any of the other mental health diagnosis that we provide. So yes, that is definitely a concern for a lot of individuals. And I think, I think it keeps them out of going to therapy, even though they actually need therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's such a, for me, 
I, I think everyone should at least experience therapy at least once in their life because we're not born into this world like knowing how to do life, right? Absolutely. I am a serial client. Yeah. I, I tell <laughs> do you people have a that. Do you have a therapist? Absolutely. What therapist doesn't have a therapist? And if your therapist doesn't have a therapist, go get another therapist. Uh, yes. A hundred percent agree. Did you guys hear that out there? You need, when you're talking to a therapist, ask them how their therapy process is going. That's an appropriate question, right? Absolutely. Um, I definitely think that people should experience therapy. Therapy is different from coaching or getting some consultation. Yeah. So, so exp um, explain the difference between coaching and therapy. Sure. So coaching, um, because I, I am a certified life coach. And so I definitely feel that though I can speak oh, you, to that. You're certified, you're a certified life coach and a PhD LPC therapist. You're both. Ab absolutely. Powerhouse. <laughs> yeah, you are. Absolutely. So as a coach, when I'm working with clients, the goal is to be your accountability partner. So I am helping you in reaching some specific goal. We're going to move forward and stay present oriented, right? As a clinical therapist, that means my goal could be to help you uncover trauma, past traumas that you're dealing with, and to help you through the healing process. Also, as a um, licensed therapist, I can diagnose. And so I'm quite familiar with the DSM-5, now revised version, that allows me to help you deal with past, present, and future focus issues that you're addressing in, in counseling. That's incredible. I mean, that's incredible to have both of those in your back pocket to be able to work with clients. So useful. Yeah, because everybody isn't going to need therapy, yeah. right? Some people are really just kind of stuck yeah. and they need a bit of support, some push, again, an accountability partner that is going to walk them through the process, um, but also hold them accountable to making sure that they're doing what it is that they say they're going to do. Yeah. Now, there are others that actually need therapy, but sometimes they want to go to coaching because they don't like the stigma that's attached to therapy. But when you're talking about you have a history of trauma and it's unhealed trauma, you've never talked about it, but you know it keeps showing up in your present day. You will need somebody to work you through those I, those issues. And that's a therapist, whether yeah. it's a licensed psychologist, a licensed social worker, an LMFT, licensed marriage family therapist, or a licensed professional counselor. You need someone who is clinically trained. Right, right. And I think when people are looking for therapists, it's, it's confusing. And, you know, knowing the type of clinician to go to is key. Absolutely. Be because, like, for instance, in coaching, like, people might be experiencing some anxiety and depression because they are stressed and having emotions about the fact that they're not moving forward, but it may not be, like, tied, as you said, to some kind of trauma in the past. Right. Correct. Okay, that's really good. Um, but I just remember this. Do you remember when I was doing my training and my first clients were this thruple that came in? For yes! <laughs> I still tell that story today in my classes. Yeah, so for, for my audience, so, you know, I'm finishing up grad school and we're starting to see clients. And the first time I ever sit down in a therapy room is with this thruple which I didn't even know you the, might have to tell people what a thruple is yeah, though <laughs> I, yeah I think it's it's part of like the the like the mainstream vocabulary now but then I had no idea that three people could be in a relationship I had no idea about <laughs> polyamory this wasn't something people talked about like 10 or 15 years ago so my first client when I sat down was this couple that was in a thruple they had all these problems and I'm like I have no idea what to do <laughs> I'm like leaning into <laughs> Carl Rogers going, just listen and be present with them and make the connection. I was 
I want to pee my pants talking <laughs> to these people. And they were like listening to me on they we had these microphones and you could hear the whole session. So the whole class and and Dr. Guy at the time they were listening. Were y'all just cracking up laughing the whole time? No. <laughs> it was it was good training. It was those were teachable moments. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if that thruple is still intact today. <laughs> they might be. Like, you know, now I, I get, I used to um, get thruples in my office frequently. Yeah. And it was like, okay, you ready? Let's go. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I want, I, I'm sure there are even therapists who even specialize, specialize in that. Yeah. Uh, not me. <laughs> You know, you, you look at it from a systems approach. Okay. So from family systems From approach. family systems approach. And it's a family. And just because there are three parties involved, it's still, it's still a family. Yeah. It may not look like what we consider a traditional family unit, but nonetheless, it functions as a family. Yeah. Well, that's, I, that's a- I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. Um, well, I, I didn't continue working with clients because I went into my art career, but... I, amazing art oh thank you thank you and it's been so wonderful it's been therapeutic but I I really loved working with clients I really loved the profession and you know you were certainly a major piece and a part of why I liked it so much it's just so interesting and you know I understand that you have kind of moved away from seeing individual clients and now you're doing more of a coaching with professionals helping them develop their therapeutic practices tell me more about that absolutely so as of now I'm still seeing some clients I'm not taking any new clients all the all the good therapists never (laughs) taking new clients by the way (laughs) I'm not taking any new clients but um, after 22 years of seeing clients I am ready to pivot and kind of just transition into a different type of helping. So I'll still be in the helping arena as a coach. Mm-hmm. I am going to start um, working with therapists to help them launch their practice. Because one of the things that I learned from COVID is that there's a lot of individuals in need of therapy, and they may not um, want to seek out agencies that are already in place. And so they're looking for more specialized treatment. And so the individuals that have these specialized treatments are working for other agencies Mm -hmm. and they're not really able to practice in the capacity in which they want to. And so that limits their ability to reach the people that they want to reach. And so if I can help therapists create solid clinical practices, then I think we can service a whole lot more people. So that's kind of where I'm transitioning to. Yeah. I love that because I think, you know, for anyone who is listening and and you want to be in the helping professional at whatever level of licensure, whether it's, you know, just no level of licensure as a life coach or all the way up to PhD, you can have a certain clinical skill, but running a small business is, is more of a learned skill rather than an innate talent. And it's something that has to be learned. And I think that your experience of doing it for 22 years, like, you know, how to run a therapy business, which you have to know. You have to know. Absolutely. And since I've been in practice, I have seen a lot of good therapists. I mean, awesome therapists who have started their private practices and closed them. And they didn't close them because their clients weren't getting better and they weren't doing good work. They closed them because they didn't understand the business side of being in private practice. And so um, I say this all the time that from teaching in higher education and just from going through higher education myself, um, I didn't learn how to run a business in any in any of those courses in my my counseling courses. 
And so I had to go back to school and get an MBA and get another master's in entrepreneurship and leadership to really solidify what I had already been doing in practice. Mm -hmm. And so um, my goal is to help clinicians avoid some of the pitfalls that I ran into, um, but to also save them some money. Because when you don't know, you can find yourself spending a lot of unnecessary money on things that you're spending money on that you don't have to. And one of the biggest things about being in private practice is you have to have clients. And just because you have a license and you hang your shingle and say, I have a private practice, doesn't mean people are going to come into your private practice. So you have to know how to market your practice. And I don't know about you, Leah, but do you remember any course in marketing in the counseling field that you took? Absolutely zero. <laughs> Absolutely zero. And and I and tell me if you would concur with this advice. I mean, when people ask me about the art business, like, you know, beginning artists, you know, I want to go in, I want to be, make money off of doing my art. I'm like, okay, well, go to school, get your training, practice your art, do what you have to do, but also learn all about the art business. Exactly. And it's it's as important, if not more, to your success to being able to practice your craft. And mm-hmm. I think it's the same with therapy, you know? It's the absolute same. Um, understanding that it is a business. And one of the things that, as a helping professional, we have a desire to help, right? Um, we're, we're helpless by nature. And so what does that look like when you cannot help a client? You might have to send a client to someone else or like, what do you put into place? Because you can't help everybody. And so the helper side of us, like when we wear our therapist hat, we just want to save the world, Mm. but saving the world doesn't pay your bills. Let's be truthful. Yeah. And so you can do pro bono, which we all should be doing pro bono work. But if your entire practice is built on pro bono. Yeah. 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 You're not going to have a practice for long. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And so, um, for some therapists, just getting paid becomes a challenge for them. And so if you're not getting paid, then you can't pay your bills. What we're doing isn't a hobby, right? We don't go into private practice just because it is a hobby. We go into private practice because this is our business. And so therapists don't necessarily see it from the business perspective. They see it as, I want to help people. I'm walking in my purpose. And this is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Mm, not so and, much. And how is that going to happen? How <laughs> right. Gonna how is that going to happen? And how are you going to promote? that so someone first starting because I think that a lot of my listeners would probably are wanting to be of service and and would love to make some kind of helping profession their source of income Mm -hmm. if they are first going in what is the first business a piece of business advice starting out that you would give someone first piece of business advice is create a business plan Mm -hmm. like first and foremost start with a business plan so um research shows that 70 percent of uh, businesses that are successful have business plans already put into place and so what's that old saying if you fail to prepare you prepare to fail so um that's really the first step because now if you're creating a business plan you're going to do some specific things like you're going to do your market research you need to know who's your competition and what are they doing and how well are they doing and, and are they already offering a service that you're going to offer? And if so, how are you going to offer that service different? Mm-hmm. If it's going to be a physical location that you're going to be looking at, there's a lot of things that you want to think about. For example, is it easily to find? Can someone say, oh, I have this in my GPS and I didn't get lost going to it? Um, is it on a trans uh, transit line, depending on what population you are serving? Um, is it wheelchair accessible? Are the walls paper thin? <laughs> I mean, like, these, these there are, are so many things to think about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is that is such a great practical piece of advice because if you're coming from this metaphysical, like I just want to help people, I just want to be of service, just want to be good, and 
you're not thinking about all that stuff, but mm-hmm. that stuff can literally just sink you from the very beginning if you're not prepared. It can. It can be the things that make or break you, especially for us as clinicians, um, because there are so many providers now, which is great and it's constantly growing. The likelihood of you being in an office or a on a block and there not being another therapist is probably rare, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on where you are. And so if you are in an area with other providers that are doing something similar to you, how do you stand out, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say what's most important is to create your niche. Mm -hmm. Who's going to be your specialized population that you're specifically talking to? Not only does that separate you from what someone else is doing, who may be a generalist, right? They're seeing everyone, but it also is going to help in your marketing. Mm -hmm. Because when you market, you want to speak directly to your client. Right. If I tell you that I see clients between the ages of 10 and 65 men and women, well, that's a huge gap. What does my marketing look like? Who am I speaking to? Right. Mm -hmm. But if I tell you that I work with adult women who are high achieving professionals who are seeking to improve their relationships. Mm hmm. That's a target area. Yeah, I love my marketing is zoning in on them. I'm speaking to you now. Grant you. I know that there are other people that need help and assistance, but I'm not the provider for you. I'm talking directly to my high achieving women. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think this is really relevant for anyone who's in business because you have to Mm -hmm. be an expert in your niche, as you absolutely as you said, that's. So smart. So, so I did. I when I was starting out being a therapist, I did not do that. I did not do that, and I did not last very long. These words are are true, you guys. She's not even lying about even a little bit of it. So, so you are transitioning in kind of a more consulting, coaching position while you're doing that. This very strong business masculine thing. Like how are how we were just having a conversation over lunch about masculine feminine energy and she's like a Capricorn rising and all this stuff. Yeah, she has, she has that. But then also you are doing some personal work on you to really feed your creativity and your energy to be able to help and give this to the world. How are you doing that currently? Leah, that is such a good question. (laughs) So I I think I, I, go back and forth with myself because I talk to myself, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have no problems with telling people that I talk to myself and, um, the way that looks is in my journal. So I'm, I'm having full blown conversations with myself as, as I journal, but my journaling is to help me self reflect, but to see where I am today, where I've been, and then how I want to move forward in the future. Mm. And so I'm at a place. You're such a Capricorn. (laughs) It's it's, You are. I mean, this is so like, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to get there. I'm going to be very conscious and aware of it. And I have a goal, you know, that's very Capricorn-y. But that's only one side of me, right? Because the other side is I'm a butterfly and I'm flying everywhere and I'm into everything. And I just want to bring beauty to the world. Pisces moon. (laughs) And so I'm trying to constantly figure out how do I merge those two um, without losing myself? Because I think that I, most individuals, we're we're multidimensional, we're multifaceted. And so I try to tap into those pieces that make me happy so that I can find my peace. Because when I'm at peace with myself, then it allows me to help other people find their peace. So I I think that's kind of where I am now in this journey that I work on to be a better person every day. I love that. Do you, are you into meditation at all? So look here. (laughs) 
So I had a professor in my doc program. Oh my goodness. His name was Dr. Wooten. Wootenology is what we would describe him. And he was the king of meditation. Right. And so when I was doing my dissertation, I was like, I'm running, I'm here, I'm losing my mind. And he was like, you're coming to my meditation class. Yeah. I was like, say what? (laughs) Uh, I'm doing what? And he was like, Saturday morning, this time, be there. And I was like, Uh, yes. Okay. So I go to this meditation workshop that he did. And um, I was just like, I don't get this. I don't have time for the sit down. Yeah. So I sit down and I can't remember how many hours it worked. It felt like it was a century in this class because we did so much work. By the end of it, I was so exhausted. Mm -hmm. Like I was just drained, but it felt refreshing at the end If that makes sense. I don't know if you can feel drained and refreshing at the same time. And I thought, oh, this was pretty powerful. And so I was like, I'm going to try this. When I tried it at home and with my, like it didn't work, like just to sit and I couldn't do it. So now what I have learned is how to meditate that works for me. So my meditation is I get on my bike mm. and I ride mm. and I'm outside, just, outside? Outside, oh yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. The indoor bike. Like yeah. I was just telling um, my mom, I was like, I'm getting rid of this indoor bike because I don't ride it, Yeah, but it's outside. I have to be on my bike outside and I'm riding and that is my meditation. Like I don't hear anything else, streetcars, people. I'm just like in the zone. And for some reason, that is my form of meditation and it works best for me. And I I get back and I have clarity. I'm like, okay, so now I need to go do this. Yeah. Right? Like this makes sense to me. You have energy to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, moving meditation is definitely powerful and and valid. You know, I think that people really have this misconception that you have to sit there and clear Mm -hmm. your thoughts and, and be perfectly still which is which is one form but walking meditation or being on a bike or being on a horse or being in the ocean and just being Mm -hmm. present and and being with yourself and you know that's all that's all meditations and and that's what i found now works for me that's great that's really good (laughs) yeah and everybody should do what works for them you know um so this podcast is also about creative energy and how that shows up in people's lives and i feel like you have really strong creative energy in, in like reforming the paradigms about what therapy really looks like. Is there anything that, that kind of makes you stand out from others that you just kind of like makes you this little shining star? Oh my goodness. Um, as it relates to the therapy piece or anything, like where do you feel like you're most creative in your life? I don't see me as a creative person. No, 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 I don't know. I mean, I mean, if I had to just observe, I mean, first of all, you always are dressed like so (laughs) cute and so well put together. I think fashion wise, you're very creative. I I would probably say that piece, but like in my head, I don't consider that my creative because I just think it speaks to who I am being unique. Like during lunch, you talked about the unicorn, right? So I literally think I'm a unicorn. Yeah. Right. Like I'm the unicorn that has a, the horn is a bezeled in diamonds, right? Like that's the unicorn that I see myself as. Yes, you are. So, um, I don't know the, the question about being creative. Um, I do think that I try to find ways, um, that are unique that speak to just me as the therapist and how I work with clients. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm very authentic. I'm very genuine. Last night 
I was working with a group of my associates and we were talking about doing a suicide risk assessment and what does that look like? And so um, one of the young ladies said, well, what if they don't want to go have an assessment somewhere? And I said, well, that's not an option. Mm. And it was like, but what if they don't want to go? And I was just like, that's not an option. And the reason why it's not an option for me is because when I'm working with clients, I establish a relationship in which they know that whatever I'm saying is for their best interest mm-hmm. and that we have developed a level of rapport that reassures them that this is a safe space and that I want nothing but the best for you. So when I say this is where you need to go, this is where they're going to go. Mm-hmm. And um, she asked again, well, but, 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 and I was like, there is no, but <laughs> yeah. right. If, if the client is having thoughts about harming him or herself, then the next step is to get them someplace to be evaluated. They don't get an option of saying no, because I value their presence and I want them to be here for that. And so how I communicate that, um, is received in a way to where they say, okay, I'm yeah. going, yeah. right. You know, and that is a creative way to get things done. And, I think where people have a misconception is that creativity has to look like some kind of art or performing art, that the way that we show up and get things done in our life with our own individual energy behind it is Mm -hmm. our own creative energy that we are harnessing and putting into use in life. So I think, I think you have a lot of creative energy. You're an amazing teacher. You're a creative teacher and, and mentor and therapist. And you got tons of creative energy, tons. I, 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 I appreciate you asking that question, Leah. Again, this is me self-reflecting. I think one of the reasons why I may not have seen myself as creative, Mm -hmm. my guilty pleasure, I have been watching way too many TikTok videos. (laughs) And these people are like super creative, right? And so I'm like, I'm just not that creative. But in terms of the space that I'm in, definitely I'm creative because when I am teaching in a class or I'm speaking to a group of people, it is important for me. I believe we're made up of energy, right? And so I need them to feel my energy because energy is contagious. So it's your creative energy, right? It's my creative energy. So if I can pass it on to you, then for me, that is going to be my goal, which is why I'm walking around. I'm getting close to people because I need you to catch this contagious energy that's giving you high frequency and high vibration, which a lot of people don't know that they're functioning in their low vibration and it prevents them from doing a lot of things, but also it prevents them from living and walking in their purpose and just being healthier and happier people. Yeah. Well, I love that you're aware of that and you are teaching that and passing that on because we need everybody to catch that energy for themselves because everyone has that special gift that they're bringing to the world and, mm-hmm. and, uh, it would be a very different place if we all became aware of that. Right. I, absolutely. And literally everybody has it, yeah. right? Like I believe in a, in a creator that gave everybody. Well, we a are, purpose. we are part of that, right? Absolutely. Like, we are part of that, you know, and get to in this place where at some point like we don't have any power and we don't have we don't have the magic and we don't have that but as soon as we all realize that and we're mm-hmm. we came from that we're going to that I think that uh, our lives and our world will look very different absolutely because we all have a purpose right and I think the problem with some of us is that we're comparing what we see other people doing to what we believe we should be doing like well I don't do that and and I can't do that Mm -hmm. but you're not supposed to Mm -hmm. because there are already people doing that so there's something for you to do there's that creative piece about you there's that energy about you there's the purpose um, that you have you just have to walk in it and feel comfortable and confident well is there anything that you are reading 
reading right now or listening to or anything that's inspirational to you? It could be a show. It could be a book, it could be a podcast. It could be anything. Right now, there is a series that I'm watching. Um, Legion? Legion. I don't okay. know if you've heard it. Remember, I said I'm sci-fi, is it, is right? That, is that Vikings? It's a Marvel Oh. It is a Marvel series. Okay, so were you watching The Wheel of Time? Yes, it was so good. Oh, I hope I'm, they bring it back. I'm, 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 yeah, I know they, they the definitely will. I oh, definitely it will. Was, yes, I'm I, sci-fi. I'm me too. Me All too. day. Um, so Legion, what is Legion. it about? So if I can describe it. So Legion is about a young man who has a gift, right? But growing up, he was identified as schizophrenic oh. because he was hearing voices. Yeah. Well, um, fast forward, He's not hearing voices. Again, he has a gift. He's a telepath. Mm -hmm. But there is another mutant because they're identified as mutants in this particular series. (laughs) (laughs) So to be clear, I'm not calling him a mutant. That's what they're identified (laughs) as. So there's another mutant that um, started living inside of him when he was a baby. So this is the mutant that has been talking to him. So all this time where we thought that he was schizophrenic and he goes to a psych hospital and they kind of have all the different experiences and what it's like to be in a psych facility, which are so off. But uh, (laughs) he's not... He's not schizophrenic. He he is a mutant and he has these amazing powers. But throughout the series, they really tap into what feels very much like cognitive behavioral therapy. It's all about changing the mindset, challenging um, your distorted thinking or just the power of our thoughts and how our thoughts are what we manifest into our reality. And so I'm watching them like, this is so therapeutic uh-huh. for people yeah. so that's kind of my kick now I will, I, will, I will check that out I, there's nothing that I enjoy more when uh like like these shows and these movies really really take real information that's happening in real time and the things that we're discovering about psychology and human behavior mm-hmm. and creating entertainment around it it's just, I love it it's an Those e- are my favorite easy way to learn and I love it okay well, awesome. Well, so if so, where are you? Where can they find you on social media? They can find me on all of my social media platforms, which is Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok under Dr. Tanisha Guy. Dr. Tanisha Guy, and I will link you in the show notes. So, are you taking any on any clients in any capacity? If like if someone's looking for. Uh, a consultant around starting a therapy business? Are you t- Absolutely. Okay. Um, if anyone is in the helping profession and they want to start a practice, mm-hmm. um, I am definitely taking on new coaching clients in that capacity. Mm-hmm. I am also speaking. So if anyone has a platform um, that they want me to speak on about mental health or practicing um, or even a podcast like yours, like, like absolutely. Yes. You yes. know, I'm loquacious. I can talk to you all day you long. You are loquacious. <laughs> such a good word such an SAT word I love that I love that okay good and so like if someone was just having a little like spark of energy that says I want to be in the helping profession could they come to you and you could say like help them tease out okay this would be your lane and this is how you begin it and this is how you absolutely okay we can book um, a breakthrough call Mm -hmm. and see if I'm not a best fit to assist them on their journey Mm -hmm. then I can probably most likely get them connected to someone or at least get them in heading in the right direction on where they want to go okay okay that is incredible I am so happy that you're doing that I'm so grateful to know you and have studied under you and you've been such a big influence on my life and just uh just a kindred spirit I've always felt that well I'm I'm just glad to be here because literally seeing you back then and seeing you today 
Um, one of the things that I never want anybody to do is to get stuck in one lane, right? Um, and sometimes we have to pivot, like life throws us curveballs, things happen. And so if we're so um, tied to a certain narrative, it could cause us to be unhealthy or even lead to depression. And so what I've seen you do is pivot, mm-hmm. like from using the creative and authentic and genuine side of you as the therapist to now putting that into your artwork. So now we see what it was that we were feeling on the other end as a client with you Mm -hmm. or as someone having a conversation with you. And so we now see it in your artwork and it's displayed that way. And now we're hearing it, right? Mm -hmm. We're hearing it in your podcast. And so when we think about how do people learn, you have your kinesthetic learners, you have your auditory learners, you have your visual learners. And so here you are speaking to those that are auditory learners. So they're hearing this. And I just think it's so powerful. And thank you so much for inviting me on to the podcast. Yeah. I want to have you back again anytime okay all right oh, thank you so much dr guy dr tanisha guy and i know you guys enjoyed this conversation just as much as i did please look up dr guy on uh, all her social media and reach out to her if you feel inclined and as always thank you so much for showing up here and joining this conversation if you would leave me five stars and a comment because that's how People learn about the podcast and how it gets distributed. And you can always find me on Instagram at Leah Fisher Art. And, uh, and that is it for today. And I'll talk to you guys next week. See you then.